Welcome back to another episode of the Culture Podcast, late night edition. I know you heard that snow playing at the beginning, so your new vibes is going to be different for this one. I'm really happy because I got a really special person with me recording today. She has agreed to give me her time to speak to you this evening about God knows what, but we're going to get into it for you guys. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself to the to our audience of 16 people currently? I thought you were going to introduce me. <laughs> nope. you got to introduce yourself. Hello. My name is Natasha. I am currently in a partnership with Christian Tapia. We have faith. Currently are we not? Yeah, we are. We're in a partnership. Okay. And, yeah, you know, I decided I'd hop on. Not at this time, but it was Christian's idea. Yeah, no, I really wanted to it's get an episode. It's 12 and a half right now. Yeah, and it, this is the perfect time to have the sort of podcast I'm looking to have, which is going to be littered with all my favorite conspiracy theories. And littered has a negative connotation. What has a negative connotation? Littered. Littered with conspiracy. Yeah, well, it is littered Sprinkled. with conspiracy. Sprinkled conspiracy theories. Fine. We'll go with that. First one, though. So, as you all know, or as all you don't know, because we lost most of our audience when we stopped making episodes. <clears throat> I have a huge love for conspiracy theories and all sorts of like mysteries and stuff. So I wanted to have a whole episode dedicated to unpacking and arguing and debating and discussing some of the more interesting conspiracy theories, not the boring ones, not like the Area 51 ones. Like, sure, they might be hunting aliens in Area 51. They might not. I just think they're holding military weapons. But the real cool conspiracy theory is like, is our planet controlled by a group of elite, rich, super old, wealthy people who, I said rich and wealthy, super old, rich and wealthy people. I think being rich and being wealthy are different things. Ooh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, that is. But that's another thing for another day. That's that's another, that's a whole other episode. But yeah, I was saying controlled by a super old, rich, wealthy group of individuals who make unilateral decisions about our society exist and i think that hold on don't laugh hold on don't don't write me off i'm not i just and they keep the majority of our population content with things and occupied distracted exactly and i think that people would say that that's ridiculous but think about this is this is my favorite thing to say entertain the thought for a bit right just okay in a world imagine a world where that exists is that world much different than this one at all i want to bring up a point before we go deep into this okay do you think that people think about this but don't like maybe they get a little upset or like eh but then they just don't do anything about it. Like, do you think that's worse than just being completely oblivious to it? Yeah, I do. I think that's actually terrifying. Yeah. If, if people Because I down. feel like everyone, <clears throat> like, must have thought of this at some point. Like, three hours in, scrolling into Instagram, when you're supposed to be doing, like, ten other things. You're like, hmm... This is wrong. This is how they keep when us When did down. I end up like this? And... When did I become a zombie? Yeah. Exactly. I know, I mean, this is this is deep stuff, but I really think that 
if we entertain that thought, a lot of things make sense. A lot of things line up. Like, a lot of things that we are beginning to learn are bad for us, but have been branded and told are good for us for our entire lives. Or now, because of this Asia information, we have access to all this stuff. We're, like, learning the truth about so many things. And you wonder, well, why weren't we being told the truth before? And who had access and was gatekeeping the truth? Like, see, even something like milk, right? Like, in the past, like, 10 years, like, people have become so against and, like, avoid, like, hate dairy. And they have so many different reasons for why you shouldn't drink it. And my question is, how come we are just getting this information now? And I know there's parts of the world that were already hip. But I'm talking about, like, American society in particular, like, Mm. our culture. Like, why is our generation the one that is drinking almond milk and the hundreds of millions of gallons now as opposed to normal milk and why was why were we cool doing that before like that's something so simple but it's like the american like food what is it the fda was like the food and drug administration or some government entity was like oh you need to drink two uh, glasses of milk a day because it helps your bones they wanted us all to be in pain right like milk is so bad we're not supposed to like at our age lactase is just not supposed to be expressed really so everyone's tech well not technically like most of the population at this age should be to some degree lactose intolerant so i feel like they're like they want us to be doing it on purpose they want us to be dependent on like stay on the toilet don't think up ideas to do other things and be productive and defy authority and that's the same thing with weed. Didn't Russell Brand talk about that? Yeah, I think that's the crazy thing as well. In some places, marijuana is a Schedule One, right, drug or Class One drug. It's like the same categories like heroin or like really crazy stuff. And it seems to me that any drug that is a depressant, and maybe marijuana is a depressant. So, yeah, I'm not as familiar with it, but it seems like anything that dulls you or slows you down is encouraged, like alcohol, tobacco, nicotine, but anything that sparks your, like, creativity. Or gives you cancer, right? Yeah, yeah, if it gives you cancer, it's cool. And, like, I'm, like, if you, but, like, yo, if you wrap up your weed in a backwood and it's tobacco leaf, like, don't get mad because you're still smoking something that is a carcinogen. But, just in general. everything has carcinogens. (laughs) Yeah, but... In the sense where it's like, you're going to get lung cancer if you smoke this Mm -hmm. consistently over like the course of many years. But like marijuana itself, THC itself, isn't something that does that. It actually has properties that aren't actually that negative. And there's different strains and stuff. But it activates a part of your brain or deactivates other parts of your brain and allows you to think in different ways and creative ways. It can sometimes work as an aid to your creativity. My question is, why is something like that so strictly regulated? And how can we put so many people in jail because of it? I think that's the sort of question that I think about when I look at things that people say, okay, you're just being paranoid or that's a conspiracy theory and that's not true. But I think that has some merit to it. I'm just saying for people who've asked these questions and why has there been such a huge fight to not legalize it and what is the argument against it Mm -hmm. and the arguments against it don't seem to ever really hold too much weight like you can anyone can fact check me on this we love getting fact checked on this podcast like last episode with jackie 
we were wrong about Rihanna apparently not dropping an album because I said she's not dropping an album. But she's not dropping it anymore. I said she wasn't, but apparently, according to some yeah, source, there have been hints. She's supposed to drop something this December. I still think that everyone's wearing the album. And that's it. Like, yeah. you guys are wearing it in the new Fendi palette or new Savage Fenty underwear pack, whatever. But that's that's besides the point. But I'm when you say underwear pack, it like, sounds like, <laughs> like a Hanes pack that you get at like, Walmart. Yo, well, that's where the big buck is. That. That's Although, where the big money is, though. I heard the quality is not... Her makeup quality is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I have not tried the laundry, so I cannot say anything about it. But... There were a lot of reviews saying that it's not. It's not it. Anything special. But do you think but that was a smart But she's pricing move? it pretty well now, so it's not a bad thing. You can get two bras for like, I don't know, was it like thirty or something? But I think that's smart though, because if she really went out and put some like but really then the nice stuff, like the Fenty designer wear, is five hundred dollars for like a dress. I think that this is a smart plan or a smart to business To have like something that's affordable and something like... That's really like you have to reach to get it or people mm. in a certain tax bracket can afford it. Because I think of it this way. If Rihanna put out like a crazy lingerie line, like a lot of people who claim they would buy it aren't buying it. Like she put out something that fits the majority of people. Like most people would go and get it because it's something that's not too far one way or the other. So I think that's a smart business move. But, um, we're talking about weed, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, going back to that, so marijuana is actually classified as a psychoactive drug. Okay. Alongside yeah. amphetamines. Well, we don't want to mess with the amphetamines. Um, I mean, that's Adderall. Well, we don't want to, we shouldn't mess with that if we're not prescribed, but it is Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah, Adderall. It's not prescribed. Um, but psychoactive, right? They don't want us... Psychoactive? To... Yes. I guess, yeah. But it does alter it. your... State of consciousness. State of consciousness, you know? And, like, I'm not gonna jump on it. Like, weed is weed. Like, marijuana is marijuana. I but mean, just it, dull, it can dull you. I agree. There's not yeah. enough long-term data. Yeah. So, do you think those studies will ever be unbiased and fair if it's done by government entities, or do you think that we're going to be able to have some really like solid independent research into the topic? I think so. I mean, there's always going to be bias in any science, but I think that because it's becoming so, I mean, it's legalized now, right? So, I don't think there's well, in some in states, it's a lot legalized. of harm in doing that. Whereas, like, if they're trying to control it way more strictly, or when it was, like, illegal, they would come up with reasons why. Not good. Yeah. But we'll see. <clears throat> we need more potheads in the labs, you know? Do we need more potheads? Or in the, um, not in the labs, like, doing all those long-term studies. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Are you going to keep that in there? Oh, yeah, this is staying in the podcast episode because we're raw and unfiltered here at Culture. Should I blow my nose, too? If you feel like you need to. Sometimes you got to clear the pipes, you know? Amen. I'm, like, curious to (laughs) see how it's going to (laughs) sound. Yeah, well, the audience will let us know. (laughs) 
eventually when well, they when they when they come in in droves. The goal is to get ten thousand listens by wow. December. Right now we're at one thousand nine hundred and thirty nine. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but we want to get like a thousand listens per episode at in a few months, and I think with consistent output and great content like this episode right here, we'll get a lot of viewers. Or listeners, not viewers. Although eventually we do want to have like a video set up too, so people can see us. Maybe oh. we sh- we were just talking about doing an episode like where we are getting high while we're talking and seeing how the deterioration happens over like forty five minutes. That might be interesting, but I feel like we wouldn't want to get too out of it, like out of it, and not be able to have a conversation. It might also not look good in the future, you know. Well, if it's going to be legal, what are they going to do? Judge us for doing something that we're allowed to do? And it's legal in Massachusetts. What if it's not allowed again? (laughs) Well, then, (laughs) RIP. We're done. Oh, here's another um, conspiracy theory. These aren't even conspiracy theories. These are just, like, observations at this point. I think our school system is deliberately set up to, like, make people hate learning. One. Two. Hmm. So um, that we don't aren't as curious. If we aren't as curious, and two, really? it dampens our critical thinking skills. Like it does the complete opposite. Huh. And I I say it this way. So I had the opportunity to go to public school. Opportunity. I had to go to public school. Same. And in public school systems, school systems, we have really strict curriculums that are. When I say strict, like they're based upon preparing us for state exams, for the most part, with limited extracurriculars. Like, a lot of schools with low funding cut the arts first, then they cut, like, sports, and they focus on English, math, and science. Mm -hmm. And I think that even within English, math, and science, the quality of... When I say quality, this is no by no means an attack on educators, because educators do an incredible job. I'm talking about the administrators and larger systems at play that tell our educators that we need to read Catcher in the Rye or something Mm -hmm. like or some like okay this is what they need to be able to do and this is the curriculum and why I think the United States lags behind basically every major developed nation in education and I wonder why that is like that's a conscious decision to not invest in our youth and our kids in schools yeah I don't know it's kind of interesting too um I don't think Yes, I agree. Our education system, we don't educate as well as other countries, and it's shown in, like, tests and uh, studies and stuff, but I also don't think, I think it's limiting in that a lot of students might not find themselves excelling in those niche areas. I mean, I feel like critical, not, like you're saying, critical thinking isn't tested, which in a lot of cases it isn't, but some basic skills like you can tell a kid's capabilities off of them i don't think standardized testing is a way to indicate that but also like say if you have a really artistic kid and they're stuck in like math and english for like k through eight or whatever they're never gonna either never explore that is and reach their potential or just feel really discouraged about entering like the real world do you think that creating space for kids who might have 
talents that lie outside of traditional like English, math, science. Like this child might be a dancer. This child might be an artist. This child might be anything that isn't the norm. What spaces do they have to explore those like talents and skills? Unless you have access to a very specific school or setup where you get to dance or you get to paint all day or you get to like hone that craft, that talent or skill is usually like left as a side hobby or something that's not treated as a viable way of earning a living. Mm -hmm. That's why I say in order for schools to operate effectively, my conspiracy theory claim is they want to, when I say they, for me, sometimes they is like an interesting word. I'm going to, when I say they, I'm going to refer to like higher administrators and, and even like federal government officials who decide what our overarching curriculums are going to be is that it's easier to educate a population to follow directions, have limited curiosity and complete tasks on time, which Mm -hmm. what I think school basically forces you to do is. You come, they give you information. They require you to regurgitate that information on homeworks or exams. And then we have a state exam. So it's like, okay, we want you to be able to regurgitate this information under high levels of stress. Mm -hmm. Because when you graduate, you're probably going to be stressed at this job. And we want you to be used to being stressed all the time. Because that's what this... Do you think that's what... Well, it's it's a theory, you know. Okay. Um, entertain it for a moment. Imagine what. I'm, try- I'm really slow right now. I'm so tired. Well, you gotta fight through it because this is what separates <laughs> the great podcasts from the mediocre podcasts. I 100% agree with you. <clears throat> you gotta gotta go hard when you're tired. Come on. <sighs> but think about it. Entertain a world where what I said is true. Is it much different from this one? Hmm. You know what another thing about schooling that I hated, and I'm probably thinking about it now because I'm tired, is I would wake up at like 5.30 every day for like high school. Mm-hmm. And I was miserable almost every day and felt like I couldn't be as productive. And if you had like after school, like extracurriculars and stuff, you weren't done homework till like midnight. Mm-hmm. And so... I just didn't sleep all of high school and I feel like I could have done way more or at least been, been less miserable yeah if I was sleeping but the schedule is just not it's very restrictive I don't think we're meant to sit down for like seven hours straight exactly no one no human being I think is supposed to be in a cubicle or staring at a computer screen for eight hours a day and then expected to go live another eight hours a day and then sleep eight hours and then just repeat until you die like i think that is in itself something that is a stark truth about our current society that is really horrifying they don't care about our health there are studies that say that schools that started later or testing better and more productive were more productive and i bet they were less miserable <laughs> but this is the thing this is what bothers me is there are schools like that but the people who can access those schools aren't working class or even lower I middle class. I think some class. public schools are doing it, though. But I'm saying, in addition to starting later, having more emphasis on arts-based learning, having ed- education based on 
on students' curiosity, having curriculums that are based on developing students' interest in topics rather than forcing them to be able to complete an exam on time. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, it's funny because I used to enjoy reading when I wasn't told what to read, but whenever I was told what to read, I just didn't want to read it or I wasn't as invested, which is messed up because I'm really stubborn. Um, but if we were given an opportunity, like, okay, you can pick out your book. You have to justify it. Like, why are you interested in this or what brought you to it kind of thing? Like, explore your interests. Um, and I think it's important to make your own decisions too earlier on because then you become more indecisive and unsure when you're older. I feel like we were free to make a lot more, um, of our own decisions through, you know, schooling, um, we would be more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our self-efficacy would be probably a lot better. And some people just have it and some don't. I'm just throwing this out there. I don't have numbers or I'm not an expert in this stuff. I'm just babbling, but I'm just saying... Yeah, entertain it. Like, okay, would the world be a lot different if that were true or were it not true? I think that at the end of the day, school is supposed to help you learn how to think about things and learn how to take in information and how to integrate that into your own like view of the world and and how you structure things like it's not supposed to teach you what to think it's supposed to help you learn how to think about things and I think I think that it hasn't done a great job of that and I can't see that as being something mm-hmm. that's unintentional our schooling <clears throat> I forget what it's called there's like a, a word for it um but the whole idea of you know the maths we learn the art the history we learn it's not renaissance what's the word I'm looking for Eurocentric Yes, Eurocentric, but there's another word that describes it, but it's very limited. It's like, cause back then that was the thing, the elite or the whatever, all knew this, had this common knowledge and that's what made them intelligent. And at that level of society was because of their knowledge and the, we adopted that idea of, okay, if we all know A squared plus B squared equals C squared and this person in history or this type of art because even in art class like they always taught the same art um you know that's what an elite a mark of an educated person person. yeah would know which is the same as you're just assimilating everyone's the same there's no new knowledge it's just regurgitating and and there's no like you get dulled by it and you're like do I even want new knowledge and well I do I feel like I'm a very curious person but I bet for a lot of people it's either turned off by school and do other things which is fine I think mm-hmm. you learn more actually through your other pursuits but yeah. I just hope it doesn't dull everyone's curiosity because that's sad yeah here's something to be curious about so speaking of common knowledge one thing that I think is really interesting is how we almost always try to create this shared story of history. And 
that there are so many contradictions and in history and when I say contradictions I mean this this statement that history is written by the victors so for all the people that have lost their stories get told by the winners and sometimes those winners killed all the losers so we don't really know the truth we don't there's so mm -hmm. much there's languages that have been lost there's cultures that have been lost there's whole ways of philosophy and, and thinking about life and how we should interact with it that have been lost which brings me this is a great segue to briefly talk about Graham Hancock and a book that you're reading that you haven't gotten super deep into yet. I think we should finish reading. I should finish reading it and then you should finish reading it before we talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we can't talk in depth, but gen basically <laughs> there is a claim that there was a prehistoric... <coughs> yeah, bless you. There was a prehistoric civilization before or that existed 10,000 years ago. No. 12,000 years ago? Yeah, it was around 12,000 years ago. So, I'm just going to fact check a little bit. Fact check, go ahead. There have been people, humans, on the con the Earth for like 300,000 years kind of thing, right? But the whole idea was that there were people on the North American continent around like 130,000 years ago, maybe before, but that's the earliest um, time period they have, um, which a lot of archaeologists refuse to believe or don't want to believe. Most archaeologists actually don't want to believe it because that kind of defies what we know regarding how people got to North America. So the whole great migration you know this data suggests that perhaps there were people here before the ice age some sort of advanced human civilization before the ice age hit but when we say advanced we're not talking about spaceships and no like they just were smart they were close to how cognitively advanced we are mm-hmm so like had, they could make tools and um had sophisticated ways of had sophisticated yes that's what i was yeah. trying to say um i think that would be such an important part of the human story and the fact isn't that it would that theory is right or correct the, for me the issue is the immediate willingness to shut any inquiry down well here's the thing i was talking about it with one of the postdocs at work today and he was saying, why did he need that whole book to talk about it? Because he does embellish a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first 50 pages, I was like, eh, he's kind of bullshitting. Like, he just has, like, some fleeting evidence. I'm like, all right. But he kind of keeps building on it and building on it. And it's not bullshit evidence. Like, there was one example. There was a split rock that they found in, like, North Carolina. They have evidence there that there were people there 50,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. and um, the way the rock was split a lot of archaeologists are like oh it probably tumbled or like erosion and wind and whatever just rolled it and it you know shattered but they showed that that type of break in the rock could not have been done without an eight pound sledgehammer or fire mm. so they knew how to make fires and split the rock in 
that way because there was no other way to break the, the rock like that consistently like they found a bunch of others um that's like one little example that's in the book but things like that so i'm keep i need to keep reading i'm only 100 pages in but some of it the evidence i'm not 100 percent convinced now i'm maybe like hmm, semi-convinced like 59 percent but so what is, I'm excited to read the rest of the book. What is interesting for me is in listening to some of the podcasts that he's been on, what's compelling is scientists from different fields who have no interest in supporting his theory are bringing evidence from entirely different situations that help corroborate his claims. Mm. So there was an argument about, well, what happened to this civilization? Like, why did they just disappear? And one of the claims was that they were wiped out in like this global cataclysm. And that is convenient. Right? They're like, okay, Mm -hmm. what cataclysm? We don't have evidence of a cataclysm. And he claims it was a great flood. So we know that in a lot of historical and and often religious origin stories that there's this myth about this giant flood. So like Noah's Ark. Um, there's a story about Gilgamesh um, surviving the Great Flood. All these heroes having to survive this world-changing event. And he says, okay, well, what could have caused an almost global flood? He claims that at some point in the past twelve to 13,000 years, an asteroid or comet hit an ice, an ice um, hit one of the northern ice cap glaciers. Mm-hmm. and vaporized much of that glacier and dumped crazy amounts of water, um, flooded North America, and caused sea level rise around the globe. So, everyone's like, okay, cool, that's a nice concept, but we have no evidence of that. Right now, we have a lot of mysteries in North American content about what happened to a lot of the larger land mammals. And we see huge ex- extinction events and right now, a lot of the claims are that humans hunted like mammoths to extinction. I doubt that. If the claims is that human beings could have hunted mammals to extinction with the tools and things that they had access to at the time, doesn't seem to make sense. It might have happened over the course of like many thousands of years, but it happened in a very short period of time. Yeah. Well, they found evidence that there was human hunting activity around mammoth fossils or other large animals so they did hunt and that's kill lar- and that's where where it's like this you know human species had to be super advanced because these were not small creatures and they were killing them but do you think that we would have been able to hunt them to extinction in the way that we're able to almost no, hunt species so. to extinction now and that is the claim. Is then, so then what happened to all these giant land mammals? They would have needed access to food. They would need access to a lot of factors needed to be in place, I'm trying to mm-hmm. say, is in order for them to survive. The claim then is that this meteorite or asteroid hit an ice cap or hit the ice cap, flooded North America, killed incredibly large amounts of land animals um, people human beings and wiped away a lot of the remains and remnants of a civilization Mm -hmm. that Graham Hancock is purporting lived 
and developed its culture and society in America before any right now agreed upon time dates or dates for mm-hmm. human beings to be in the United States or North America. I think that what was really fascinating was that probably in August 2019, excuse me, April 2019 or March 2019, and we can be fact-checked on this, they discovered an impact crater in Greenland that mm. dates within the time periods that he was suggesting such a event might have happened. This is an organization or a group that has nothing to do with him that is corroborating something that he is claiming must have happened in order for his civilizations to have been wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. I think that's interesting because then it's like, okay, they have no stake in his claim. And I think the reason I'm so interested in this is because it's a part of our human history, something like that. Mm -hmm. And knowing the past and saying, okay, we have something that we've never... There's something important about our history that if we're able to tap into it, it helps us figure out where we can go, where we can head as a as a human race, as a civilization, that it's like a lot bigger than just what we see currently. I don't know. I think it's important to look at things like that and... It's completing a story. Exactly. Or trying to, because we'll never really complete it. Yeah. Do you know how big Woolly Man's actually were compared to elephants were they smaller or larger they're larger right well i I don't know i believe that they were i need to be fact checked on that i have no idea i believe they were a lot Um, i believe they were similar size or larger okay because i was exploring i got this book called oxygen by nick lane and it's supposed to talk about how um i mean it's all about oxygen and how we've survived our earth has survived off oxygen even though it's actually a reactive um not safe species like that's where you get your um, free radicals from it's like an oxygen atom Mm. and um but anyways he's saying how he talks about how there was a lot more oxygen when we had giant like bugs and creatures and things on earth because there was you know more supply to grow that large so it could be a decrease in something in the atmosphere it could be oxygen or something that caused these people to not only the people i'm talking about the animals yeah because they're saying they don't know how all these people all these animals went extinct that the oxygen reserves might have been depleted the people i have no idea (laughs) um it could have been a cataclysmic event it could have been a plague um but it's interesting well, it's scary too because you're like how are we gonna get wiped out unless i mean global warming might get us first but we'll probably wipe each other out well that's the thing do you think that's what happened let's see that's a theory right there do you think what are you saying that you think these civilizations were warring against each other and wipe each other out how advanced would they have had to be i'm always curious i think i would really like to know the answer because the way we have made sense of society is the way we know i guess civilization to be like the way we have countries the way we and that's all has to do with like our psyche right like how we develop um 
society. I'm curious to see if there was a different way, like a way different way of doing it, even before the ancient civilizations we have studied fairly well. I absolutely think that when we say advanced, we think of ourselves as advanced because of technological advancements and access to medicine. And, well, that's uh, our idea of right, advanced. advanced. Well, advanced could mean a bunch of other things, too. Like, advanced could mean that a, a civilization cultivated powers of, of the human mind and the ability of memory and, and, like, all these other things that we would consider sophisticated and developed ideas and, and technologies and skills that are important and necessary for, like, a civilization or a sophisticated society to exist. Mm-hmm. And that, to them rather than relying on things like computers or things like tools and technology in the same way that we considered we looked at things or rather they those older civilizations looked at things much differently i think that if we consider that as an option for advance then we can have an entirely different conversation and i think there's a lot of cultures like the, the those ideas are still they still exist in so many different cultures around the world about spirituality of um having control over one's mind over oneself over like the flesh and um when i say the flesh like i just think of, like a lot of religions emphasize that like self-control and and spirituality and being in touch with something greater than oneself and i, I don't know this is obviously getting from ancient civilizations to like more spiritual discussion but I definitely think that there's a bunch of different ways for a society to be advanced. So. I agree with you. I lost my train of thought when I spilled my water. Yeah, no. And my pants. We tried, we tried to play that off. We were like, yeah, so let me just keep talking about this ancient civilization when you spill water. Watch the... Oh, my bad. I'm not meant for this. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job so far. I think you provided excellent commentary. And information to the audience up to this point and even though you spilled water all over yourself you're still doing a great job you're on fire I'm on water no pun intended yeah no this is what happens when it gets super late and you just talk about you spilled water all over yourself conspiracies and ancient civilizations and well I feel like we probably have time for one more semi-interesting topic before we sign off for our from our late night culture podcast um but for me definitely i was gonna want i wanted to talk to you a little bit about or rather i'd want to hear your thoughts on spiritualism like in connecting with our emotional intelligence in the age of social media and in the age of super connectedness and, and technology and information, like how we lost touch with our ability to connect with each other as human beings in the real world because of access to technology. That's interesting. I don't think we ever lose it. I just think we don't tap into it and we don't practice it. It's a practice, right? You're socialized to interact certain ways, but also <coughs> It's innate to want to interact and have, um, I guess, tangible social circles as opposed to 
just you know having a, a social media network um but I don't I yeah I agree that you know I guess when it's not as exercised it kind of goes away and yeah I mean I agree I could go into this if I was if I had four more hours of sleep but yes I do think that well this is the glory of the late night podcast is you're just getting raw and filtered like it's not filtered I'm just like duh (laughs) (laughs) um yes yes (laughs) yes yes you say I think that we need to do better and try putting an effort in our relationships in general outside of social media our friendships and stuff that's where the real stuff happens you're not gonna some people meet their mates and stuff online but I feel like genuine connections and understanding happens both with verbal communication and I mean most of our communicating happens with our body language right Mm-hmm. and facial expressions and stuff I feel like it's important to practice that more people are practicing you have to practice if you have a job if you do any if you leave your house like you probably have to you know read people and um and interact but we do it less deliberately by isolating ourselves on mm-hmm. social media and stuff absolutely and like I think it's I don't I wonder if people I mean I don't want to say anything that's this might be an ignorant statement I don't know if severe like sometimes even I feel it sometimes social anxiety talking on the phone did people have that 100 years well we had phones right 100 years ago be careful I don't know I think we had telegram okay when we had to call people in like the 40 that's a safe number yeah. right we had phones in like the safe 70s. time um okay did we have social anxiety back then calling people i think social anxiety was a lot more centered around social interaction in person than it is now or like you might feel anxiety before you post something or you might feel anxiety before you yeah, share something i don't think you get yeah. anxiety about that, that you i just think there are post. a lot of people who have anxiety about posting things to social media just don't post but that's what i'm saying is that has become such an integral part of human experience where like sharing things over the internet has become a way of communicating like oh, i don't really post our government officials communicate using the internet now to like, connect to us yeah, but think about to that. To influence us and control us. We do it out of, like, feeling good about ourselves and feeling uh, connected. Well, why do you think... Wanted. They do it out of control. Why do you think someone posting is only linked to them wanting to feel good about themselves? What if they also want people to think that they feel good about themselves? What if That's the, it's the same thing. Is it? Well, not same thing. It's just the same. Me, 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 me. Like it's like you know, and I don't want to. I don't think everyone does it for that. I think it's healthy, to a certain level, because I'll be hated for making an extreme statement. But if you're constantly posting pictures of yourself, you're doing it for attention, right? 
if you are unless you're like promoting something or you know there's some other motive but I don't think what was it? I'm so tired what was I trying to say you were saying that if you're posting <laughs> for only yourself or if you had like an ulterior motive behind posting pictures of yourself consistently like you're oh yeah how I was saying was the same thing like if if you're motivated, I want people to think that I'm secure about myself. I want people to think I'm pretty. I want people to think whatever. Like, you're trying to shape your... your It's impression management, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, at the end of the day, that's... You know. Yeah. You're basing your self-esteem off of um, social media. Yeah. Which is sad, because they've talked about how it's affecting younger children. Like, when they post and they get five likes, and... They delete it or something. Well, they just, like, freak out. It's, like... They, they feel, like... They base their value off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is really sad. So, I don't think... I don't know. I think social media can be good and bad, and that's a whole other discussion... You could we could talk about it for like an entire podcast. Definitely. Um, but not this one, for sure. Yeah, you know, I just feel like I'm getting slower and slower. Yeah, and that being said, um, I think <laughs> we're gonna have to bring this late night musing to an end. Thank you for taking this journey with us. I'm gonna go change my pants. Down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. And musings. I like the word musings. I'm going to continue to use that in my everyday language. Go for it. Um, You do you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to do me. I appreciate that. But but yeah, no. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, We're going to continue to make episodes like this. We're going to continue to do things that aren't just strictly... We're going to record them before 10 p.m. though. We're going to record them whenever the inspiration... Most of the time. Whenever the inspiration strikes us, my friend. That's when we're going to record them. Alrighty. We're like bickering on podcast. Good times, good times. But no, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, stay tuned for another episode coming soon. Until then, enjoy Namaste. your evening. Good no, night. Good night.